Weird. Good evening, church. It's great to be here with you this evening. Thank you, Pastor, for the introduction. What we're going to read tonight is going to be John 9. But before we go into that, what we'll do, we'll have a look to see what has happened at the start of John, right through. John is a very rich book in the things and the signs that are seen. Jesus started at the very start of the book in Canaan of Galilee at a wedding. And during that time, his earthly mother came and said, we've run out of wine. Jesus asked the question, what do you want me to do? At the same time, she told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So the servants were told to fill the jars of water, and that's exactly what they did to the brim. He then said, serve it out. And when they served it out, it was the best wine that anyone had ever tasted. The thing about this story for me personally is, I wonder the next time that those servants went to fill those water jars, what was in the back of their mind? Are they going to be filled with wine again and tried a little to find a big letdown that was only water? Only the man Jesus is able to turn water to wine. <coughs> We're still in the round Canaan whenever Christ is wandering around, and a noble man. He must be important in the country or he wouldn't be classed as a noble man. Came and asked Jesus to come with him. He had traveled over 20 miles. His son was dying and he wanted Jesus to come and heal him. He had that faith that Jesus could do that. Jesus just told him, go home, your son lives. The man had traveled 20 miles, didn't matter if it was 20 miles, 200 miles, 2,000 miles. The outcome was going to be the same. As he was traveling home, he was met by his servants who told him his boy lives. And he asked, what time did this happen? And whenever they told him, it was the same hour that Jesus told him to go. We then come across another sign where the light of the world is in Jerusalem by a pool surrounded with sick and ailing people waiting as they believe for an angel to stir the water for them to get in to get healed. Jesus walked through, he seen this lame man, he already knew he was there. 38 years he had lay there trying to get into the water. And he was asked by Jesus, what do you want? Of course the answer was to walk, to be healed. Jesus told him, stand up and walk. And he immediately did that. 
For a man who has not used his legs in 38 years is an awful, awful hard thing to do to stand up and walk. Back in 2003, I had an accident where I fell 35 feet. I ended up in the Royal Hospital with a great team of surgeons and nurses who gave me a, a steel, steel leg, a steel pin in my leg. But I went from the operating table into a wheelchair, onto a simmer frame, onto crutches. I knew how to walk, but it took me several months to be able to walk again. But when Christ says, stand and walk, it's instantaneous. There's no waiting about it. It just happens there and then. We move on a, a, a while later when Christ was out in the hulu, as we say. He was on a hillside. And a great multitude was coming. Christ asked a question. How are we going to feed these people? And of course, the answer from the disciples was, don't have the money for it. Send them home. Send them away. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says, have a young fella here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. Could you imagine the look on the other disciples' faces? What are you talking about? Five loaves? That wouldn't feed me. Never mind this crowd. And Jesus said, make them sit down. He blessed the bread, the fish. He gave it to his disciples and said, give it out. The Bible tells us there was about 5,000 men. But we know that it wasn't only men. There was women, there was children, there was a large mixture. So that crowd could have numbered somewhere in the region of 15,000. All were fed with five loaves and two fishes. And the disciples came away with 12 baskets of stuff left over. No one but Christ could do that. After that happened, Jesus told the disciples to go ahead and he would catch up with them. So what do they do? They go down, they hang around at the shore side, side their boat. Several other boats there. And he doesn't turn up. Of course, men being men, the thought is, he's come down and jumped in the wrong boat. He's away across with somebody else. Let us now go, and we'll meet him at the other side. You know some of these men were fishermen, so they were skilled with boats. So what they do is they start to row out, storm breaks up, and they're in the middle of a storm, rowing as hard as they can to get to the other side to get out of it. And then suddenly from somewhere, someone turns and says, what's that out there? What do you mean, out there? There's something on the water. Then Norman will look and say, yeah, yeah, it's something coming. Now, I think it's a ghost. It's on top of the water. It looks like a man. And closer and closer it comes. Panic and fear sets in. If you were in a rowing boat four miles out in a storm and you seen a man walking towards you 
I think panic and fear would set in. As he approaches and he gets close, he said it is I. And he gets into the boat. A thing that a lot of us, we all know of Christ walking on the water, but a thing that some of us miss is what happens next. Some of the other gospels tell us when he gets into the boat, the storm stopped, all was calm, and immediately they were at the other side. They were at dry land on the other side. Two things that seem to be at times be missed out, but they happened. What we'll do now is we'll go to the Bible and uh, we'll read John 9 to see what we go from here. The book I'm reading from tonight is the New King James Version. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said to him, go and wash in the pool of Salaam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back saying, Therefore, the neighbors that the neighbors on those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, He is like. Others said, It is like him. And he said, I am he. We'll end the reading there. We can see right away in the culture of those days, if you were ill or had an injury or infirm, as this man was, born blind, they immediately looked at sin. Was his parents such great sinners that their child was born blind? Or was he going to be such a, a great sinner if he had been born with sight? So the Lord didn't give him sight. That didn't happen. The Lord said he was made that way to glorify the name of God. So Christ stood with this man, the light of the world. He spat in the ground to make clay. How easy is it to make clay? Here in Northern Ireland, it's quite easy because we've got a lot of rain, a lot of water. And Israel, it probably was a bit different. We dry land, but with a simple saliva, 
He picked up a piece of the earth and he made clay. He then anointed the man's eyes. Why did he do that? This is the man who created and made this world that we live on. And all he did was he spoke and the world was formed. All he had to do was say, open your eyes and see. And that would have been that. But there was a crowd around, not only his disciples, but wherever Jesus went, there was crowds, there was people. He made this deliberate sign of anointing this man's eyes with clay so people would see what he was doing. If he had have just said, open your eyes and see, then the skeptics would have said, he was never blind. He always could see it was no front. But Jesus made that anointing. And when he anointed his eyes and told him to go and wash, there was a crowd there. Some of them could have been the, the ones that were on the hillside and had a free meal. So they immediately, I'm going to see what happens. I've heard about this man, Jesus, and the things that he does and went down to the pool where he washed. What do you think his reaction would have been? You know, sticking your head down, throwing water around, feeling your eyes, making sure all the clay was away. How many we look at your reflection saying, oh, it looks all right, yeah, I can see now. I think we're going to get a wee job, maybe get a wife, get a buy a house, settle down. Yeah, I'm able to see, can do all these things. Or would have been, make sure all the clay is away. Lift your head, slowly starting to open your eyes, and suddenly, what do you see? For the first time, light, blinding light. Would he have closed his eyes? Would he have covered them? You know, have you ever been in a dark room, sitting quietly, and somebody walks in and throws a light on? First thing you do is cover your eyes or close them and give a yell, turn that light out. This man, after such a long period of time, was seeing. He could see. What would he have done? What would you have done? Would you have gently stood there and said, ah, oh, this is good? Or would you have done, I can see. Grabbed the person beside you, shook the life out of them. I can see, I can see you. Oh, you're ugly. You know, what would you have done? How would you have coped with it? Suddenly, for the first time in your life, seeing. Not only seeing, but seeing in color. We as parents and grandparents teach our children as they grow colors. Blue, white, yellow. This man may have heard of colors, but he had never seen one. What he had done, pointed at the, is that the sky? What, what color is that? It's blue. What's that there? That's a cloud. What's that? Is that the grass? The grass green? That was his first time seeing colour. We teach our children about 20, 20 odd years ago, one of my granddaughters, who was four year old at that stage, approached her, her parents and asked a question. And I know we have got teachers and 
Sunday school teachers and nursery teachers here in the congregation. When a four-year-old, five-year-old comes and asks you a question, you sort of step back a wee bit and wait for something dramatic to come out of their mouths because you never know what's going to come. And the question was, when you were my age, was there colour in the world? And of course, my son and his wife says, yes, there was. This is a four-year-old girl who was going to come in with a big sucker punch right in the coupon that left the two of them standing there. And what did she do? She produced a black and white photograph, horror proof that there was no colour when her parents were her age. Explain this to me. You didn't have any colour. So after a long debate, they got her on side that someone went round and filled it all in and coloured it all in. But they, we now have colour. Do we as Christians, do we see in colour or do we see in black and white? You know, where were you when the Lord, when you seen the light for that first time? What were you doing when the clay fell off your eyes? For me personally, I was about two miles away from here in the meeting house, Free Presbyterian Church. And it was walking across a car park when my eyes were opened for the first time when I seen the glory of God which give me then a chance not only to read his word, but to study and understand his word, to have my eyes open to that. Do we as Christians go among our family, our friends, and are we prepared to show them the light are we prepared to tell them about Jesus? When we're along with our work colleagues, would, would we in turn say to them about who Jesus is? Where the light of the world came in, how he came in, are we prepared to do that? Or is it more a case of I could lose my job if I talk about God. I could end up on the dole not knowing what I'm going to do. 2,000 years ago, when people were prepared to talk about Christ, as is today, they could end up in jail in foreign countries. They could end up dead. It's only a few weeks ago that there was 12 men taken out of a church and shot dead for being Christians. Are we prepared to stand in the light and tell others of the light? Are we prepared to carry our faith that was given unto us by Christ? Are we prepared to stand and meet that challenge? Are we? It also says when this man 
went home. People looked at him and said, oh, that's, that's the guy who used to sit and moan and complain and look for money because he was blind. That's him. Someone else said, no, that's not him. Look, he, he's smiling, he's happy. That's not him. He just looks like him. Don't worry about it. That's, that's, that's not him. Somebody else. What did he say? I am. I am he. Who else says I am but the great God? Are you one of those people whenever the light came into your life, when you went into work or into school or into college, people would say to you, you know, we cup a tea before we uh, kick off work and your attitude is, no, I start work at nine o'clock. I have to be at my job. My employer gave me this job and it's my right to give him the best that I can. Would they then turn and say, you were never like that before. You would always go and have a wee, a wee sneaky break, a wee sneaky cup of tea. You weren't that keen in going to your job. And your answer is, yes, I'm not happy with the job, but I'll do my best for the job, do the best until I get another job. Are you making that change? Is people looking at you and saying, he's so different. And then ask you the question, what's changed you? What's happened to you? You were never like this before. Would you then tell them, I have seen the light of the world. I have met Jesus. He has changed me as he can change you. Are we as Christians prepared to stand on the rock? Are we as Christians prepared to raise the name of God? We have a blind man who can now see. We ourselves were all blind at one time and we can all see. Do we want to carry that sight into the world? Do we want to go forward and help others? There's people among us tonight who might be sitting in darkness. What I would say to you, don't leave here tonight in darkness. Don't leave here seeing semi-color. There's people here tonight who you can speak to. We have our pastor, we have our elders. If your eyes are not opened, then have them open tonight. Don't miss this opportunity of missing the light. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So take that, grasp it now, speak to someone. Ask about Jesus and see the light of the world. Let us pray.